0: Here we go. We're in uh, session session two, uh, titled, Come and See. Jesus wants people to follow him in faith and truth. We'll be in uh, John chapter 1, verses 40 to 51. So we're going to look at that. Um, Last week... We started with uh, chapter 1, verses like 1 to 14 or something yeah. like that. And we were looking at, um, what did we call that? Now I just forgot. Um, you didn't give us enough inferences to even begin y- to guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, st- know? origin stories. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. That was the... The, the whole origin story thing and how we, we like those, especially with our superheroes and stuff. And we looked at Jesus' origin story. This week, again, is, a, is another origin story, but this time we're looking at that, some of the disciples um, and trying to understand the men that Jesus is going to surround himself with as we're still in chapter 1. So as we are looking at these, how does a person's past experience get in the way of them coming to Christ? How does a person's past experience get in the way of them coming to Christ? Well,
1: it
0: depends on what their past experience is. If it's anger, that'll get in the way big time. Okay, anger what? at what? Anger at. Anger is an emotion, not an experience. So, well, Okay, anger. well,
1: yeah. You can go into some bad experiences through anger. Yeah. 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 What, what
0: experiences? Prison. Prison. How would prison uh, keep somebody from coming to Christ?
2: It's just... <coughs> it could go either way, actually. Okay. It could draw somebody mm-hmm. to Christ, but I think the uh, all the, air quote here, bad people,
0: uh-huh.
2: and just not having good experiences in prison can keep you from going to God because God is good, God is love, God is okay. all these positive things and you're not experiencing that.
1: Okay. We have some friends that are missionaries uh, not full time I don't think but to, to prisons.
2: And they've been doing it
1: for quite a while and it sounds like you know, they do have people inmates there that Come to the Lord. Even will talk to their family about it on the phone.
0: Um, so
1: can't dismiss them.
0: Okay, Carl. Um, like uh, like the Pharisees, they were very religious, but they missed the point. Right, yeah. Sure. All like right. A
1: death of someone close to you, or you know, like sure. Or illness, because then you say, well, why would God do this?
0: All right. I'll say a prejudice. You met somebody that's a certain way, and then you get somebody that you think is the same way preaching to you about the gospel. You might be like, "No, I, I know that kind. I know them. They're slick salesmen. No thanks." Sure. <laughs> so, the okay, so you go ahead. I found that experience of what I'm going through with my
2: daughter right now. It's the lack of
1: believing Jesus will answer your prayer. Yeah.
0: Skepticism. People are skeptical. Whether it's because they had experiences a death or um, they you know they're they're in a situation like prison or war that's a big one a lot of people gave up God after World War II after Vietnam uh, and stuff because of the things they saw those experiences make us skeptical right now the biggest thing that's creating skepticism is college kids people are going off to college And they're being bombarded with all this so-called scientific information and philosophies and all that. And they're like, well, why did I believe this in the first place? This doesn't even make sense. It makes them skeptical. Uh, Others, somebody was talking about that they knew somebody who was uh, supposedly a Christian and didn't act or whatever. So uh, people, people will cause... um, other people to not come to Christ; those influences there. And then somebody, somebody mentioned um, trust. They 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 just don't feel they can trust God because things aren't going well. Um, you know, they, they put their trust in God and life fell apart, um, and they're like, "Well, why would I, why would I believe Him?" So these are all reasons why uh, we see people not coming. Um, we're going to look at. The reasons these guys, these the apostles, came to him as we look at this this morning, and one of the things we need to recognize is that in our world, we have taken a very um, different approach to making disciples to evangelism. Um, used to be very intellectual. We would invite people to study the word, you know, check it out for yourself. The, the apologetics, that whole field of study that here's what the world says, here's what God says. Nowadays, when we are evangelizing people, what do we do?
2: Do you want to get out of hell?
0: Do you want to get out of hell, sure. <laughs> Who wouldn't say no to that? How do we usually want to do it though? We want to invite them to church, right? come see my church rather than come see Christ right when we when we are talking to people oh you should hear my pastor a lot of times we introduce them or or somebody that we, we um, like on the radio or podcast oh you got to hear this guy <laughs> the reality is is we're, we're called to invite them to meet who Christ. Jesus Jesus. Where do we find Jesus? In the Bible. The scriptures. In the scriptures. That's the only place we're going to find him. I mean, that's, that's where he is. Those are his words, not some dressed up yuppie on TV with the slicked back hair and, and great speeches and, and all that, right? We, 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 get, we are called to invite him, invite that person into a relationship with Christ, which means they need to meet him. And the only place to meet him is in our Bibles. The problem is that we've become anti-intellectual. We don't know our Bibles. We don't study enough that we are comfortable. So we invite him to meet some other representative. And that representative is usually a poor substitute for the real Christ, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to look at that this morning. Because that's what we're going to see happen as we look at these. 1 John uh, chapter 1, 40 through 41. So let's jump in. And we'll... uh, uh, You know what? It helps if I turn the remote on. (laughs) There we go. Okay, so 1 John chapter 1, 40 through 42. Somebody will read that for us. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother.
2: He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He he brought him to Jesus. Jesus
0: looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. All right, I love this. So let's set this stage. Jesus has been baptized. He's uh, somewhere where John the Baptist is. He's in that area. And Andrew is a follower of John the Baptist. He's one of those that are following him. John the Baptist, nobody's sure exactly what he is. He's out in the wilderness. And he's baptizing people to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. We get the day where John says, behold, and introduces Jesus to the world. Um, after that we read in the story just before these verses that two men followed Jesus and Jesus says what is it you seek and they go into the whole dialogue one of them is Andrew it is believed we don't know for sure uh, there's no evidence and no explanation but it is believed that the other one is John uh, the one who's writing this story which is why he doesn't say anything But these two men follow Jesus. They want to know where he's staying, and they go off with him, and they hear him teach. And Andrew, his first thought is his brother, Peter. Now, I want you to hold that that thought, because we're going to get some background here uh, beyond that as we look at this. Hmm. All right. The map I have up here is uh, the Jordan it's the Jordan River between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea one of the things we don't know exactly where they are at at this point John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River now there are two sites that they believe that John the Baptist was baptizing in one of them is down here, this little green line I've got right here. Just uh, what is that? east of Jericho is where Jesus was. Now, I want to point out, here's Jerusalem. Here's Jericho, and then the river's right there. It's not far. Remember, the Pharisees are going to send uh, men to question John the Baptist. And all that. They're gonna come from Jerusalem. Well, it's only about a half day journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. Many of the Levites and priests, when they weren't on duty, lived in Jericho. Jericho was a city um, for the overflow of all the priests and Levites. When they weren't, was it wasn't their month to serve in the temple, many of them lived or had apartments or whatnot in Jericho. This region is very barren. Um, I'll show you pictures, don't worry. I have pictures here because we were there. So this is this is where we know. We know that John the Baptist was baptizing here. And I'll show you pictures of the site because they know that it was somewhere you know in a half mile swath. It was somewhere along here. He probably moved up and down, but we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. Um, the other one, Oh, there it goes. Yeah. The other one is up here in the north. Um, It is believed, and there's no evidence that I'm aware of, but they they believe that somewhere in here, just south of the Sea of Galilee, that John the Baptist baptized. That's the other site. And I'll show you pictures of that site, too. Um, There is no evidence for this one, as there is lots of evidence for this one. It's just... (coughs) They know that he was—he traveled through there. Maybe he stopped one time and did a baptism there. I, I don't know. Um, but that's what we've got. We don't know where this account is taking place, though it makes the most sense that they're down here in this lower area. Now, this is important because when we get to the, uh, the story farther in, Jesus is going to make some claims that... If he's here, even if he's here, pretty amazing. But if he's down here, uh, are pretty phenomenal. Any questions so far? Am I making any sense? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to show you some pictures from this northern site. This is the traditional um, baptism site. Like if you go to Israel and you want to be baptized, this is where most people end up. It's up here by the Sea of Galilee. Um, it is called Yarden, and it's the traditional baptismal site on the Jordan River. Has anybody ever been to the south of the border? You know where that is on I ninety five. You're going to Florida. California. You get to North Carolina, South just Carolina. To say that's what this is like.
1: That's what this is like.
0: You you walk Acres through. I kid you not. They've got a massive. is there. There's a massive bus parking lot. You get off the bus. You walk through the turnstile, and it's a gift shop with all the paraphernalia, bottles of blessed. Jordan water, the <laughs> oils. They've got all the stained glass window stuff, and uh, the robes. Like you could dress like you know they did in that day and age. They've all all of it's been blessed and and, and all that. And they've got like this, this area in the gift shop is the Catholic church area where they got all the Catholic memorabilia. And back there they got like the Greek Orthodox. And then there's like the yeah, you know, every every yeah. brand you want, they have got it. They got all the stuff there, and you know, because like nobody, you know, the evangelicals don't want holy water; they just want real Jordan water. You know, like, and, yeah. and that's—I I kid you not. I mean, it uh-huh. is. That's yeah. what this is. And it is t-shirts. south of the border. And the
2: T-shirts. I was baptized oh, yes. in Jordan. Oh. If you can dream it
0: up, they got it. You know, if it, you know, that's I just agree. the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have <laughs> I mean, so I was with my uncle and uh, he wanted to be baptized, but when he saw this he was just like, I'm not getting baptized. I, I'm not doing it. It's just it was so commercial and fake, it was it was hysterical. It was like being inside of the Yeah <laughs> it sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> so you go out the backside after you pay your fee to get in. Um, and this is it. This is the Jordan River. You can see the little fence in area. Uh, some Don't fish. go past these fences. Well, no, that's where the, they, they had lots of them along there. And it was like a baptismal area. And it has a little overlook, so you can stand there and watch the people going, being baptized and all that. But you can see how clear and nice the water looks. And all that this is right below the Sea of Galilee it's just up this way um, and I think right here that side of the river that's Jordan the country of Jordan you can see it's not it's not that far I mean those are fish they're catfish about yay big or so something like that so this is this is the official baptismal <laughs> site if you will it's what's advertised um, now, this is the one that is down by Jericho. We know somewhere along here is where John was baptizing because we know that the they came from Jerusalem to question him and all that. And it talks about him being, he was living in the wilderness beyond Jericho. So th- this is that area. Um, it's, it's flat. Uh, you'll see a picture in a minute. But this is the Jordan. You can see this is, uh, it's kind of muddy. It's not very clean. This end, I mean, you're, you're just miles from the Dead Sea. So it's not very nice looking. It's not very clean looking. This is probably where Naaman went to, to dip, to get rid of the leprosy. You can see why he said, why would I want to dip in the Jordan? we got cleaner, nicer rivers back up in Syria, where the headwaters are. As you can see uh, from the one that comes out of the Sea of Galilee. But this is it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they got little buoy things out there and all that. It, there's, they have a gift shop, but it's like down the way, but it's not commercialized. I mean, we just parked the bus on dirt and walked down to the river. Um, it was there. This place is called Kesar al-Yamud, if I'm saying that right. And this is probably, I mean, it may not be, you know, that spot. Like I said, he probably did baptize somebody here because he, he moved up and down the river. I'm sure. Um, here's a, a better picture of it. Um, you can see now that's Jordan on the other side, and they've got their own uh, what do you call it? Um, tourist
2: area. Yeah, tourist area. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just to think of a nice word. Please have
0: not seen your moments. Yeah, no, well, I couldn't think of a nice word. For it. Now, understand this area, we're right below Jericho. What else transpired here? Dig into you know the recesses of your the old come tumbling down. Huh? The walls tumbling down. Huh? Well, that down. happened at yes. Jericho. But yeah, Junji said one. Well, I thought he said no, no, what else tra- transpired here at the oh, Jordan uh, River uh, uh, by Jericho? You're, you're oh,
2: that. that's where they went through and they built the they had the. Bingo! Yeah, now,
0: you, yeah, this is where they, the Israelites crossed into the land. In, into the land, Moses stayed on the other side. They carried the ark down. What well, we have to understand, because I'm standing there looking at this, and the Jordan doesn't look very wide. I mean, I could swim across that, right? It's deep, but it's not very wide. And I'm like, really, what in the world? Because uh, you know, you read the story. The priests carry the ark out, and they get about shoulder deep, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, the water spreads. <laughs> Well, that's not very impressive. Well, we have to understand it was flood season when they did that, and the Bible talks about it. Um, and when flood season is upon them, when all the, when it's the rainy season, that which it wasn't the flood season yet goes to being uh, very wide. Uh, let me show you the next picture. This is the parking lot, and that <laughs> berm, the waters go all the way out. And that's probably not quite a quarter mile away from the river, but it's also probably half a story above where the river is. Maybe even a full story because you climb back up. The, the river gets very wide um, from it. As we're looking this way, Jericho's over this way. It's just a little north uh, over that way. But this plateau. You see how severe that is? And it's not far. I mean, I'm just using the regular lens. It's not like i got a telephoto photo on um, That plateau, that's where you climb up to Jerusalem. That's the Judean desert. So this whole plain from where these mountains are, I mean, it's just pretty much flat, like you're looking at. This way, it's the floodplain for the Jordan River. And it's you can see how far away that is. Between those mountains, and if we look the other way, uh, the Jordan on the Jordanian side, they've got mountains that are over there, and it's just this wide plain, very flat. I mean, it doesn't look that flat, but it is in comparison. And it's the flood plain so I guess at some point, sometimes it can really flood it up. But that you climb up those mountains, and that's where uh, Jerusalem is. It's up there. It's not far. You can almost see it. Uh, so this was a really, this is a really cool site. And the likely place that our story is taking place. So somewhere along the river, John is, and he yells, behold. And somewhere along here is where Jesus walks with uh, the possibility, with Andrew and maybe John. And he's spending the night. They may have walked back up to Jericho. It could have been there. There may have been somebody he was staying with. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But Andrew decides that Jesus is the real deal. I have to tell Peter. Now, Peter's a fisherman from? Galilee. Yeah, Yeah. from Galilee. Go back to our map. Okay, so somewhere in here where I've got this green line drawn is where this story is taking place. Here's the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is all the way up here. It isn't close, is it? Mm -hmm. I don't know if Peter, for some reason, was down here. Uh, we don't know when this took place, so it may have been one of the holy days, and that they made a trip to Jerusalem to the temple to do, you know, the templey thing. Um, and Andrew heard that John, that John was baptizing, and maybe Andrew went out from Jerusalem. It's only a, it's only like a half a day, three quarters of a day journey. Go out, listen to Jesus preach, or listen to John. Meet Jesus, go and listen to him, and then go back to find Peter in Jerusalem. I mean, that, that you know, it take all of three days, maybe two days. Um, it, that's not impossible. It's not even unlikely. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know because here's Jerusalem, here's Jericho, there's Capernaum. Um, somehow, I don't think that Andrew walked all the way back to Capernaum to tell Peter. Some people, you know, do and all that. I don't think that was, is what happens because we're going to see as we get into the story. Um, so they're somewhere right in there, but they're not where they should be, are they? These guys belong way up here at the Sea of Galilee, and somehow they're down. Because if John is the other person that's with Jesus, John's a fisherman in the Sea of Galilee. Works for Peter, right? They're they don't there now. Um, as we look at this, I want to zoom in on the upper part here. There we go. I want to look at a few things here for a moment. It taught, we know that Peter's from Capernaum, um, but. Uh, let's see. I It's also going to talk about Peter being from Bethsaida, which is this uh, which is this village here. You can see they're not far away. Um, that's probably half a mile. One's on one side of the river. One's on the other side of the river on the Sea of Galilee. Now, we know that Peter's mother-in-law, from other passages, was in Capernaum. Jesus is going to heal him later on. Um, and all that, but it's gonna tell us that Peter and Andrew are from Bethsaida. Well, the two towns are there. They probably had um, docks in both cities. They're both there, they're both fishing towns. And when you go out on the Sea of Galilee, you may come back to one side or the other to sell your fish uh, and all that. Which one are they from? Does it really matter? It could be that, that their father was from Bethsaida and then they moved to Capernaum to, for their own business. We, I don't know. There, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that could have happened. So as we get into this, um, we'll talk some more about it. All right, so here we go. The, uh, we're in part two of the book of John. Present, the, the presentation of Christ as the Son of God. That's what we're going to see. John is going to present him. And we're looking at Andrew and Peter. They're two brothers from Bethsaida slash Capernaum. They're from that area. They may not have lived in town. They might have lived out on the countryside, uh, had a house, whatever. I don't know. They're from those two cities. Maybe they were born in one, moved to the other as adults. I mean, you know how that goes, it happens. We know that they are brothers. This is interesting. Twelve disciples, right? Four of them. There's two sets of brothers that make up four one third of the disciples. Andrew and his brother James are brothers, and they're part of the twelve. And Peter and uh, Andrew, Wait. Yeah. John. And James. James and John. James and wow. Really having a day. <laughs> James and John are brothers, and then Andrew and Peter. So those four people. There's uh, siblings making up one third of the disciples uh, which is interesting and last week we found out that some of these guys are actually related to Jesus, they're cousins Um, so there's a lot of interconnected uh, and I'll show how some of that worked out on another map in a minute Um, we see that Andrew uh, is following John they go to with Jesus. And then Andrew, or, well, uh, Andrew is yeah, he's following John, John the Baptist. I've got the wrong John. Andrew is following John the Baptist for whatever reason. Uh, whether they came down for a holy day and he went out, he's, he's there with John, listening to John's teaching. And John introduces the crowd to Jesus, and Andrew begins following Jesus. <laughs> and he realizes who Jesus is and he goes and he informs Peter and he says Peter come meet this guy see that's, that's not, not let, let me introduce you to John he doesn't call him to, to meet the messenger John he says no 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 I know I know the guy and so Peter goes and he meets Jesus he doesn't meet John As far as I know, Peter never met John the Baptist. He met Jesus. And Andrew informs Peter, they go together and they become his disciples, Jesus' disciples. And we see that Peter gets a new name. Jesus looks at Peter and knows his nature and gives him a new name. And from that point on, Peter's Jesus' man, which is interesting. All he had was an encounter with Jesus. He understood who he was. I think we get too caught up in personalities and um, events. And programs at a particular church, uh, you know, the personality of a particular speaker. Um, I mean, for years, uh, Billy Graham. Oh, you got to go and see him and, and all that. And he, what he did was great. But what people need is an encounter with, with Jesus. Now, maybe it takes place through somebody else. I mean, clearly, Andrew had an encounter with Jesus through John. But Peter just met the Lord and he believes, and it changes everything about his whole direction of his life. All right, comments or questions at this point? All right, moving along. Here we go. John chapter 1, 43 through 46. Somebody read that. Alright, so Nathanael has, uh, has issues with uh, Nazareth. Jesus goes to Galilee. Now, we looked at the map. It's a long journey. This is why I think that they're probably down south around Jericho somewhere with it, because... Jesus decides to go to Galilee. That's a couple of days' journey north. Now, as we uh, come back to our map to look at this, here's Bethsaida. Philip is from Bethsaida. I doubt that that's where Jesus ran into him. The road comes up. You can see a little bit in this picture. This is a very flat, smooth area the Jordan River. He's probably coming up that road. Remember, there's a road that goes through Samaria to get to Galilee, but nobody travels. No Jew, self-respecting Jew, would travel that road because you've got to go through
2: Samaria. Samaria.
0: What they would do is go down Jericho, cross the Jordan, travel that road all the way up, and then cross back over up here by the Sea of Galilee. That's probably where he runs into Philip. We don't really know what Philip does. Uh, for a living. It doesn't tell us here. But <coughs> the road crosses here. So anybody going northwest, particularly if this a is a holiday, if this is one of those holy days where they go to Jerusalem, Philip may have been traveling, maybe camped there to make the last push the next day, runs into Jesus. There's lots of possibilities there. But he runs into them here. Now, that's Bethsaida. The other person in this story is Nathaniel, and he's from. Anybody know where he's from? It's in John, but it's not in this. In this, it's farther in. Nathaniel's from Cana. Yeah, John chapter twenty-one. You'll you'll find that there. Nathaniel's from Cana, so it's not a far walk, and we know. Jesus is heading there because if you look to the next chapter, it's going to be Jesus going to the wedding, turning the water into wine and all that. But, Nathan, but they, they've not gotten there yet. Philip runs and goes and tells Nathaniel. Maybe he was traveling with them or whatever, something like that. Now, I want you to see this. Here's Nazareth. It's on this hillside, south side of the hillside. Cana's up there. There's a road that traverses through here in order to get to um, Capernaum and all that. So the road runs from Nazareth over there. There's another city. It's not on our map. It's not in our Bibles because it's a Greek city. It's an important city, though. So I'm going to put it on our map. There we go. Sepphoris. It's right there, this Greek city got destroyed during a revolt by the Jews. Herod, one of the sons of Herod the Great, decides to rebuild this city after Herod the Great died, which coincides with what time period? Well it would be after that They so were this in would Egypt have been, and then they came back Right this would have been the time period Jesus is growing up They're rebuilding the city there Here's Nazareth There's that city Sepphoris Sepphoris being a Greek city Would have been built out of a lot of stone Marble etc um, Herod is building it For the Romans It's a Roman city um, It's not quite a half a day's journey I mean it's this is just a few miles at most, a couple hours walk. What did Joseph do for a living?
2: He was a carpenter.
0: All right, that's, a, that's the American word. That's the English word, carpenter. The reality is he probably didn't work in wood. He was a builder. He probably worked in stone. Mm. Um, the, the whole idea of a carpenter is uh, in the English explanation. But they didn't build in wood in, uh, in the mm-hmm. Middle East or the Near East, like this, that trees were, (laughs) there weren't that many trees. What they built out of was mud, stone, brick, that sort of thing. He was some sort of mason, and is more likely. The largest group being hired for commercial building is Sephorus. Likely, Joseph would travel during the week there, come home for the Sabbath. And as Jesus, we know he apprenticed with his father. Probably worked in Sepphoris, which we can see is up the road from Canaan, which is interesting. I don't know if Nathan Nathaniel ever met Jesus or not. It's a possibility. But what we see, this is why Philip introduces Jesus. He says it's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Well, you would give that information because it means something. Yeah. Somebody living way down in the Judean hills, nobody would know who that was, right? Nazareth, it's a vague idea of a town uh, way out in the sticks up north. And they certainly wouldn't know Joseph. Now, that's where it is. Let me put this in uh, perspective. There's the roads. So this is a little different map. You can see the road system here's Nazareth, there's the road, there's Sephorus there's Cana and then the road goes this way to go up through Magdala Garethenset, Capernaum, Bethsaida, all those, they're all connected by that road from Nazareth which goes all the way down um, there, so to give you an idea of this region, here's the the, the road that would have been traveled through the Jordan area um, as they came up, now this side of the road over here, this is Greek areas. Again, the Jews would have would have missed it, which means they probably would break off from here to go up through Nazareth and come around to Bethsaida uh, to get there. Um, just to give you an idea of how they traveled, those who were not were more Hellenistic Jews wouldn't have minded going through the Greek areas. May have traveled around. This way, but that's why you get a split out of there. Questions, comments. I know it's a lot of, a lot to take in, but it's interesting. These guys all kind of may have known each other, or at least known of each other, quite possibly. But Nathaniel is uh, is the important guy. In a minute, we'll talk about him. Let's move on. <clears throat> It's hard to break this stuff down into smaller chunks because it's so interconnected. All right, so let's talk about Philip for a moment. We see that he's also from Bethsaida, which, looking at that map, he would have gone all the way around, come down through Nazareth to get back on the highway to go south. If this is a holy day, Jesus may have ran into him anywhere along that road. He is invited by Jesus to come with him. Some random guy you meet says, Come follow me. What are you thinking? Is he nuts? (laughs) Now we would question him. I think it's a scam, but back then. Now Jesus, remember, Jesus has already got two following him at least. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew and Peter. The likelihood is that John, maybe his brother James, is with him as well. And they're they're acting as he's the master, the rabbi. As his disciples so they're walking behind him half a pace and all that so Philip Would see that and remember this is this is the ancient world. This is normal And would evaluate it and say this is the the, the rabbi the master and these are his disciples and he says hey come follow me And he does And he listens to Jesus he hears him and his message and his teaching and his first thought is.
1: <coughs> to go find.
0: To go find Nathaniel. He goes in and he informs Nathaniel. And then he invites him to come meet Jesus. See how this works? Are we inviting people to come meet Jesus? Come oh, hear a lot of rubble out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. And we need to make sure that we're inviting them to meet Jesus and not our favorite personality. Because let's face it, we've all got different likes and dislikes. Uh, There are preachers that are very good that are out there, but they are not my cup of tea. Um, Their style, their presentation, it just doesn't do anything for me. But when I meet Jesus that invites the Holy Spirit to come with and work on it.
1: I think religion turns people off too.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, are, are we peddling religion or are we peddling Christ? Go ahead, yeah. Some, sometimes when we're inviting people to meet Jesus, it could take, you know, years. I mean, you tell them something and then you gotta back it up with your actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there, there's so much. Now remember the time period. The world is waiting for the Messiah, or at least the Jewish world. They are desperate for him. Everybody's looking for him. There have been many guys showing up in the wilderness claiming to be the Messiah and they disappoint greatly. Um, So for these guys to be, they're, they're looking. And John seems to be the best thing going on. And John's like, it's not me. And he points him to Jesus. And then these guys start meeting Jesus. So this is the beginning of something new in terms of that. Alright, let's move on. John chapter one, John chapter 1 verses 47 through 51 Somebody go ahead and read that.
1: Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man.
0: This is really cool, but in order for this to be really cool, we've got to understand a few things. Nathaniel is from Cana, and we saw on the map, it's not far. We don't know where Philip met Jesus. We don't know how far he went to get Nathaniel to bring him back. Either uh, We know that Philip is from um, Bethsaida. He would have been traveling likely through Nazareth on that road to go around the mountains on the Jewish side to get home. We know the next story is that Jesus goes to Canaan. When we look at this, we need to understand the town of Nazareth was a settlement by Judeans. So people from the, from the tribe of Judah went to that region, probably several hundred years, um, I forget exactly when, and settled a town in Nazareth. It was likely um, people that were fed up with what was going on in Judah during the time of one of the bad kings. And they moved out. And descendants of David, those who were in Bethlehem, which would have been Judeans, went there. And they started this little rural farming community. Um, It is believed that several priests and Levites went with them. Again, it it may have been like during the time of Manasseh, when it it was just so terrible. the, the culture was so perverted at that point. And they come up into this mountainous area of um, Galilee and settle a farming community. It's very rural, very rough. Think the little Amish communities out towards Lancaster. You get these little tiny hamlets, a handful of families eking out a living out there we, we've seen them we all know what they're like uh, and they're trying to live godly holy lives and this goes on for generations and the town never really grows and it never becomes prosperous because their belief is that they need to be godly they need to follow the law and all that that's what's going on in this little town this is why when Mary turns up pregnant, this is a big deal. Uh, If they were in any of the Hellenistic areas that made up most of Galilee, most of Galilee were Hellenistic towns and villages, (coughs) the the Greeks wouldn't have cared, would they? So the girl got pregnant, just get her married or have an abortion, Um, that sort of thing. Would not have been unacceptable. But in this little community it was a big deal. But they're poor, they're rough, and you know, by the by the time of Christ, it's not they I mean they're just it's like talking about the, the Amish out there, you know, the guy wants to be an IT expert, he grew up on a farm in some Amish community. How many of you are hiring him to work on your computer? Yeah, exactly. That—that's Nathaniel's thing. How could this guy? They're—they're backwater, poor farmers. No rabbis are coming from Nazareth. Rabbis don't even go there to teach in their synagogue. They're so poor they couldn't afford one. It, it's just these ruralistic, bum country bumpkins. That's the view. So, that's Nathaniel. He's. Um, there we go. He's from Canaan. Now, the story John records for us where was Nathaniel
2: Under a fig tree.
0: Under a fig tree. What's that mean to you? He's taking shade. a break. In taking the shade. a break, yeah,
2: yeah. There's shade there.
0: There's shade there. Um, he tells us this because if you know the culture, Fig trees have large leaves and they're very shady in the afternoon. Who would be able to take a break in the afternoon shade under a fig tree? Somebody with wealth. Somebody with wealth. Likely Nathaniel is either a wealthy landowner he owns the land, or he's the son of the guy who owns the land. You know, he, He's from the family that's the landowner because he's got time in the middle of the day to sit under a fig tree. Now, there's something else we need to know about that. Fig trees um, and people sitting under them in the afternoon are usually rabbis. Those who studied the law, that's when they would do it, in the afternoon. Now, remember, rabbis are paid by the synagogue to teach and all that. It was their study time. So we don't know what Nathaniel did for a living. It may be that he was just a wealthy landowner and he had time to meditate because that's the time of meditation when the sun is up high. Those who could would do that. So Nathaniel may come from wealth or he could be a a rabbi or even a disciple of a rabbi and he's studying. In either case, we know that he is religious. We know that he's a Jew Jew that takes the law seriously because Jesus tells us what about him? Huh? He doesn't have any to He doesn't have to see. This is a Jew of Jews. That's what Jesus is declaring. This is a guy who knows the law and follows it. So either Nathaniel is a wealthy guy who has time to meditate and study the law for himself, Remember Reptavia? Have you ever watched that movie? The uh, film on the roof? Reptavia wants to sit at the gates of the city and study the law with those guys. That, That was his dream. Was to be wealthy enough to be able to spend the afternoons doing that. Well, here's a guy who was wealthy enough to do that. Or he was a rabbi and it was his job to do that. So that's what we got here. So this is Nathaniel. This is somebody who's got knowledge. And he, yeah, go ahead. I think it's probably more likely wealthy with the way that he uh, thumped his nose at, can anything good come out of you know, like, you know, it's almost like he's uh, it was a snide comment, like he was yeah. above it yeah, he's, he's above it, I, I, I have the same feeling but I don't know but yeah, it's like, yeah, he maybe you know, maybe his dad or his family owned the quarry and that they're quarrying all the stone to rebuild Sephoris out of, I mean it's quite possible we, I, we don't know But he's likely a wealthy landowner of some sort. But he's also very religious. He knows. He's been studying. And we're going to talk about that in a second here. Um, We see that Jesus, he's never met Jesus. That's That's what we get from him. That Jesus doesn't know him and he doesn't know Jesus. But Jesus looks at him and makes the declaration about his character. Which Nathaniel is grateful for. I don't know if it's a pride thing or whatever. He's like, well, okay, this guy knows my 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 greatness goes before me, whatever. <laughs> Something like that. But that's the idea, you know, you know who I am, but uh, he tells him that he saw him sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's response, you must be the Messiah, the king of the Jews. This has got to be you. You've got to be this. There's no way you could have known that if you weren't the Messiah, uh, which at this point they still think is just a prophet. So you knew I was there. God told you you're a prophet and all that, and he accedes to Jesus's the King, the Messiah, this this person who's coming. He even recognizes him as a Rabbi. Now here's where it gets really interesting. Jesus tells him, he will show him even greater things. As we look at verse uh, 51. And he said to him, truly, truly, this is the first truly, truly statement. John's going to do this like seven times. This is true. When you put the double (laughs) emphasis on it like that, truly, truly, it's the emphatic, you can take this to the bank. (laughs) I will show you, I will say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now where have we heard that before? Revelation? Well, Revelation hasn't been written yet. Jacob! Remember Jacob's ladder? Jacob is this is like a word for word quote out of the book of Genesis. Now Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree probably meditating, studying scripture of some sort. I've got to wonder if that's what he was reading. Nathaniel was reading the story of Jacob with the ladder and Jesus says, you know what? Let let me me slide a little more in there and prove who I am. You were just reading that. I'm going to show you even more amazing stuff than that. See that? That's We don't know that, but that's the feel we get from their interaction. That lately that's what was going on. Okay. Comment. Question. When we bring people to Jesus, he never, never uh, isn't amazing, is he? He seems to know what people need to hear in order to know him, choose him. A little bit of doctrine this morning. A little bit of, you know, true, well, true statement. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the loss to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle. And this is what scripture teaches, right? This is what we've been talking about. That's a truism you can take it to the bank The problem is is that we don't often live the right lifestyle and we get in the way of people and stuff like that These guys didn't even know the lifestyle. They didn't even know a whole lot about Jesus. I mean, some of these guys have only just met him. But they're excited go and tell somebody else, their brother, friend. We've got to remember that this is, this is our job. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what we are called to be. But this is the summation of the whole thing. See, the nature of true Christianity, it is following Jesus, devoting ourselves to him, and treading in his steps. If we are doing this, the previous statement happens, doesn't it? If our nature, because it's the nature of Christianity, is to follow Jesus. If we're doing that, when we meet people and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, they are not going to look at our lives and go, well, what in the world would you know about it? Because we're following. Treading in Jesus' steps. The problem is is we want to go off and make our own steps and just point back to Jesus. Yeah, that's Jesus. That's why we end up wanting to invite people to this event or that event or church or to meet somebody else that could tell them about. If we're treading in the steps, we're right behind you. All right, a couple of things. With us as we go. First, our true identity is found in following Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be. It isn't what we do, it isn't our family, where we came from, our favorite sports team, wh- whatever. I mean, we put a lot of things up that are. that is our identity, but it should be Jesus. When it is, it gets real easy to invite people to meet him. We must lovingly challenge others' false beliefs about Jesus. People have a lot of weird beliefs about Jesus, don't they? We need to know enough about the truth in order to challenge people on their beliefs so that we can introduce them to him Personally, lastly, we can be assured of the truth of Jesus's identity. He is the son of God. He is who he claims that he is. That's what we see. Let's uh, close up to our Father. We want to share your son with the world. Lord, help us to be prepared to do that. Help us to be the example that people can see, that we can make that introduction. Lord, thank you for your word that we know the identity of Jesus through it and can introduce people even though he's not here today. In Jesus' name, amen.